0: Back to another episode of Doom to Bloom podcast. Today we have a special guest, Maria, who's going to talk to us about female entrepreneurship and kind of everything that that entails, especially as it relates to working with others, the connection, and how that works with mental health. Hi, Maria. Hi, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me here. Thank you so much for being a guest. I really, I, I'm working my way up to hopefully become an entrepreneur someday. So I really have an interest in this conversation. So thank you for being open to talking about this.
1: Of course, it's my pleasure.
0: And just before we start on the wide topic of female entrepreneurship, can you tell us where you're guesting from?
1: Sure. I am currently in Boston, Massachusetts in the United States.
0: Amazing. I always like to ask because I find it fascinating that at a click of a button I can connect with literally anybody anywhere. (laughs) So just kind of blows my mind every time I ask. But we're not too far away then, it seems. I'm in Ontario, Canada. No, we're pretty close. Close, but not close. Close. (laughs) Well, we are ready to hear your wisdom and your experience with the Female Entrepreneurship whenever you're ready,
1: Maria? Sure. sure. I think it might be beneficial just to start with my personal story. And then kind of from there, share how my interests really stemmed into helping other female entrepreneurs as well. So I, I never thought that I wanted to become an entrepreneur, to be quite honest. I was a university professor, and I was a tenured, and I actually worked very hard to get there. I have a PhD, and I You know, just thought that this is the path, this is how work life is supposed to be. But because of various reasons, um, a few years ago, I, you know, I was just experimenting, having a side hustle like you have, and um, teaching yoga, teaching meditation, uh, running some workshops in community. And then there became a point where I realized I need to kind of transition from working in academia to working for myself. And I thought, I never really really considered for myself what this entails. I thought, oh, well, it's not really such a big difference. And then I realized that not only it required of me like not going to the office, not doing my day-to-day responsibilities that I was doing for the university, but also it really required of me to really take responsibility for a big part of my life, how I run my life, how I think, how I structure my days, how I get organized, how um, I want my life to be. So it became from kind of an innocent switch, like a jump in the ship to actually like really shifting so many things for me and how I view myself in the world that it just blows my mind. I think, I think, um, and this is probably a tendency for me in my life, I... I have a goal, I have a vision, I have a dream, and I just go for it. And then later I find, wow, that was a lot of effort.
0: <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind
1: of, you know, the same thing with like even immigrating to the US because I was born and raised in Russia and I thought, oh wow, yes, I do want to take that. Holy cow, that was a lot of effort. <laughs> I had no idea, but I think in retrospect, when I um, look at things, then yes, while it's effortful, but there are also many benefits on the other side. So I feel, I feel the same with entrepreneurship, this kind of, to be honest.
0: (laughs) And so what were you doing prior to becoming your own boss?
1: So I was um, uh, what 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 was I doing,
0: like work wise before you oh, decided work-wise. to make the yeah. shift? Yeah.
1: So I was a university professor. I was oh wow. Uni- yes, I was a university professor. So I was working for a university. I was writing, publishing, doing research. I was teaching, doing some administrative work, and you know, it's. Yeah. So basically, this is that was a professorship job, and I feel like
0: it might be easier to ask you what you weren't doing because that was a whole (laughs) lot within that title. (laughs)
1: Yes, there were a lot of responsibilities, to be quite honest. (laughs) But I, it was not necessarily an easy job. But I feel that being an entrepreneur like kick my butt um, in a new whole different level, because I feel it just really kicked my butt. <laughs>
0: and in what ways, like in terms of time management or, or organizing or being the boss, what did that, uh, how did well, that I, kick your butt? I think,
1: yeah, I think, I think I had this idea of what, you know, on Instagram, on social media, there were this memes going around a few years ago. It's like what you think something is and what, Something is really. It's yes. like, oh, if I teach yoga, this might mean that I am wearing pretty yoga clothes and yoga pants every single day. <laughs> and I feel I also had this idea of what it means to be an entrepreneur because you know I was coming, I was living with my heart, and I was going after my dream. I was studying metaphysics, I was being I worked with people, so I was a healer, and so I was thinking, okay being an entrepreneur means that I just do more of what I really, really love. So I didn't go um, into the entrepreneurship world for money. I went just because I really believed in something very strongly and I followed my heart. I followed my passion, and um, which, is, which is really amazing. And I'm very, very grateful for it. And on the other side, what I found myself doing is um, learning a lot about technology. I had to figure out you know, simple things that are simple, but they just ended up uh, kind of draining a lot of my energy, like putting up websites, or I also teach online courses, how to manage the administrative aspects of uh, running my own business, also realizing I have money blocks, and I have judgments about money. Well, if you are trying to make money by running a business, you have to really heal that as well. So I found myself that while I'm very disciplined and very organized, so I also found myself just wearing many different hats. And while I do have help with some of these things, I also found that there are many nuances of entrepreneurship that I really didn't know about, which is okay uh, because it made it more exciting. I think, I think if something was not exciting for me in the past, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay with it.
0: (laughs) And, so what did you what did you end up struggling with the most in that shift because it sounds like there's a lot of mm. new things yeah things. yeah I
1: think for a while I don't feel like this anymore but for a while I felt that I was alone and I didn't necessarily have enough support around me so I felt that I was doing like I was just being alone because i I used to being in you know with colleagues with other people and with having hu- having the human connection and for a while i felt being an, entre- an entrepreneur was a very solitary experience for me and that was very uncomfortable um you know and and i also am, i don't consider myself a very traditional entrepreneur because i do healing work so i have i bring a lot of spirituality into the entrepreneurship world. And then I also bring life experiences and sciences. um, So coming from the academic background and then, so I had over time, I have found for myself a group of people with whom I can relate and kind of brainstorm and ask questions. But for a very long time, I found found myself just being very alone.
0: And, I'm going to take a guess here and yeah. assume maybe that this obviously played a part in your mental health um, yes of course. in this in this shift what did that look like
1: mm. so I think I feel mental health has always been kind of a thread in my life because that's how I became a healer to really help myself first um, this I feel that shifting into being an entrepreneur just created some challenges around self doubt and maybe self just thoughts popping into my house like, can I do this? Will I ever succeed or will I be able to just make my ends meet? So those were thoughts that I had to deal with on a daily basis. And then I I have to say that I'm very grateful that when I shifted from being a university professor to being an entrepreneur, I already had a very solid self-care practice. I had, you know, I would meditate every single day. I would exercise every single day. I would actually channel spirit almost on a daily basis. So I feel that even though it was not easy, it was very challenging, but I feel that the foundational practice that I have had now for I don't know how many, 13, 14 years, like it's always stays with me. And I have also been through very challenging times prior to the shift. I have been through way harder things than, than shifting the job. (laughs) I have been through way harder life experiences. So I feel my background kind of toughened me up a little bit and told me that, kind of taught me that, you know what, like this all, this will also pass this, also shall pass and so I had lots of faith and lots of this belief that it will get easier and I I think think, yeah I think that really made a huge difference
0: (laughs) I was just gonna say can we take a couple steps back and talk about you being an entrepreneur just in general and the work that you do as a healer and kind of what that entails sure
1: sure um so I work um, I work with women and men, and I work. You know, people come to me because they have very practical questions around life. For example, they want to, yeah, they want to be better in their business or they want to have more clarity around what kind of work they can do or how to even start it. And what that usually entails is kind of talk about maybe marketing or talking about some strategies or how they can make their business successful. But what we end up doing often is really working with their mindset and also healing some of the things that maybe need to be healed. Because I feel that being an entrepreneur is almost like it strips you naked. <laughs> like you cannot hide from yourself in those areas where you feel a little bit ambitious, you yeah. feel insecure, personally insecure. Because I feel that it's like almost like being a parent, you know, being a parent, I find I'm a mom. And so it's challenging in some way, but it's also um, kind of forces you to take a very honest look at yourself and those places where you're hiding. So I find the same thing with entrepreneurship, like in my personal path, um, in my personal life, I find that. Myself, or talking about my work felt very uncomfortable for a very long period of time or advocating for myself sharing about my services it felt that I was naked in front of the entire world so when I work with people we often address the same struggles that I have gone through uh, personally in my journey and we we address them and that requires uh, building confidence It requires working with subconscious beliefs and subconscious programmings that often come from our culture, from our childhood, from our life experiences, and in our belief in ourselves. So we often work through those parts of our personality or parts of our being where we are weak, so to speak, and I I help people that I work with, I help strengthen those parts of personality so they can align more with their purpose, what they're here to do, and I strongly believe that having a business, a purpose-aligned business is kind of a part of our purpose of many people in, right now. And so I help with this inner you know, alignment so that our outer things in business can fall back in place.
0: And I guess that brings me to another question because you just brought up an interesting point to me mm. that I think a lot of the healing and a lot of just how we operate which you perfectly said was through life experiences and cultures and religions and all of that kind of thing. Can Mm -hmm. you, if you're comfortable, can you share the difference maybe in terms of culture between growing up in Russia and now being in Boston, maybe as it relates to, and and this is probably a really big topic, but like mental health or just, Mm entrepreneurship in general. Sure. I I am very very grateful
1: for where I am right now geographically <laughs> and culturally. It's not e- it's much easier than it is in Russia because because entrepreneurship or female empowerment I feel is is still in infantile stages in Russia. And so I find that while it is challenging to have a business here and, you know, women have to change, women have to heal and maybe assume some of the roles they haven't taken before, like leadership roles and self-taking initiative. But I find that this is more more mainstream, so to speak, in the, in the United States and I assume in Canada. And I know that in Australia... And I think in other countries, I've traveled the world quite a bit. I think women still assume very traditional roles. Mm -hmm. And they are primary caretakers for their children. Um, You know, hiring a nanny is not always an option. It's not very common. Um, I mean, it might depend on your social status and your social class. So I see that um, just, you know, thinking about where I came from and Looking at my colleagues or my schoolmates, I know that not, I don't think I actually know one woman who is an entrepreneur in Russia from, from the school or from my university wow. where I studied in Russia. So I don't know one single woman who does that. And so I think for me it's um it's a blessing. It's also it has been a challenge because I had to heal and overcome many limiting beliefs I've had. Um, I think one of the limiting beliefs in Russia, for example, um, there is just a lot of stigma around mental health. And and I find more and more in the U.S. and in the Western world that it's kind of more accepted that to become a successful entrepreneur, you need to do the inner work. Like, it's almost like you have to. You will not be a successful entrepreneur if you don't do it in a work. But I think in Russia... Uh, Things are still in just viewed. Mental health is viewed very much from the medical and um, maybe stigmatic viewpoint that if you you receive any kind of mental health or coaching or training, it means there is something deeply wrong with you.
0: (laughs) Wow. Even to this day, that's how they view it? Yes. Yes. I think Um, it's a little bit more, it's
1: opening up little by little, but I think it's more common maybe for marital counseling or for, I don't know, depression, anxiety, but not necessarily for betterment of your life or improving your life in better ways. And I still find that it's very much stigmatic in Russia.
0: And when you mentioned that that you didn't know any female entrepreneurs that you were... Um, with your peers, is that strictly because it's more male-dominated or is that just because the, the culture in Russia is that females don't get to be that leadership-type role?
1: It's a great question. I, it's a really, really great question. I think there is just uh, political infrastructure and just economic infrastructure as such that uh, it's a little bit harder to do entrepreneurship, in Russia, um, and then I think just mostly the way people are trained to be employees, they're trained to work for someone. I think there are many brave ones. Like I know that there are some female entrepreneur entrepreneurs who have a store. Like you can have a store where you sell clothes, or maybe you have a store where you sell food. Um, so that sometimes is possible. That's an option of selling things. Um, but I don't know necessarily like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who organize their own fitness business or business or um, you know start a school or start. So I think I think it's becoming a little bit more more possible, but it's not huge yet. I it really, almost it yeah. almost
0: sounds like the potential options i guess if you will for females being an entrepreneur is still very much limited to almost the stereotype of women being that caregiver or that like the fashion type role Mm -hmm. like clothing and food i i feel like society very much pushes on females rather than males and so it sounds like to me anyways that in russia it sounds that it's still very much stereotyped, I guess. I think to, yes, I think to a degree,
1: and I really hope that he changes because with social media and access to information, I think, I, think thing, I hope that things are changing. <laughs> I really hope so. How old were you when you left Russia? I was 21. Yes. So that was like 21 years ago,
0: actually. <laughs> The magic number.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am now equally, you know, like have spent equal amount of time in the U.S. that I've
0: (laughs) spent in Russia. (laughs) And do you ever go back to Russia?
1: Yes, I used to go back every year or sometimes twice a year before just the recent political events and global events, um, the health events with the pandemic. So I used to go every year at least. But I haven't been back in the last two or three years, unfortunately.
0: Well, maybe the next time that you go, there might be a shift that you notice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm looking forward to the shift. (laughs) Hopefully it can happen. Like, it's obviously not going to be an overnight thing, but I hope that it will. I hope that it will shift just in general. Yes. Me too. (laughs) And then in Russia. I have never been, obviously, if you couldn't tell. Um, what is kind of the viewpoint on just women in general? I guess I'm kind of getting to the maybe conversation on empowerment and kind of what that looks like between Canada and the States, but maybe not so much Russia. I see. Interesting. I mean, I,
1: I think... I probably have a very biased perspective because I don't live anymore there, right? But I think at least I can speak about my experience and the way I grew up. Um, And I don't claim this to represent the whole nation's viewpoint. (laughs) But, But I think from the way I grew up and from what I've observed is that uh, for example, self-love what was not necessarily or respecting oneself or loving oneself was not necessarily a very common theme um, that women were taught about. You know, And I don't think that men were taught that either. So it's not just, I don't think it's only the gender disparity in general. I think it's just overall in the population for both men and women, there is a lot of culture around sacrifice, self-sacrifice, not necessarily loving yourself, listening to yourself or honoring your boundaries, honoring your intuition. It's not just a a cultural thing necessarily, whether you are a man or a woman. And I think because of that, actually there are lots of codependent relationships in general of any kind, whether it's codependent in romantic ways or in professional ways or even relationship with money. So, and it's just... In the past, it was not a part of the culture, and again, I'm hoping this is changing. But I've, from what I've seen so far, I haven't necessarily noticed that there is a huge shift. There is a lot of, um, you know, conditioning around loving your country and sacrificing yourself for your country, and I think it has some benefits for the political structures you know when people don't love themselves they tend to not honor themselves they tend to think of themselves as being weak or having no power um i feel that i've been fortunate in many ways like just the kind of education i received was i i feel like i had a little bit of more open-minded education but i wouldn't say that it's everywhere like that So I think that it's not necessarily only gender disparity, but in general, just the kind of how people or masses are educated. They're not instilled that, oh, you have a choice. You can make a decision. You have the power to change your life. You have the power to create your life the way you want. I don't think this is the predominant narrative so much.
0: So it sounds almost like, what is the word I'm trying to think of? Like hustle culture, almost. Yes, you yes,
1: know. yes. Unfortunately, very, very much, <laughs> very much so. Very much. Yes.
0: And more focus on financials then, or? Um, no, it's not necessarily. It's. I actually, actually,
1: I find that people are extremely generous and extremely generous, even to the point of self sacrifice. I don't. Um, I don't necessarily think there is a lot of hardship in terms of survival um just because of material things are not easily as easily available as in the west and it's just harder you know for an average person the middle class is much smaller than it is in the us or canada and the middle class is it's like a very small proportion of the population so i would say for majority of the population it's just harder to survive Um, but at the same time, people are generous, which is amazing to me. <laughs> it's, I, it, I'm in love in many ways. There are so many beautiful things about the Russian culture, and I'm very grateful, but I'm also grateful of not living there right now.
0: And what was the biggest, I think they took, coined it culture shock. Mm. I think what was the biggest shock for you moving from Russia to the States?
1: I think the biggest shock was how unsupported I felt and feeling that I just have to survive on my own there were very few resources available to me because I was a new immigrant and I was just shocked how alone and isolated I felt from most things I think it was a part of it was the language barrier part of it was cultural barrier not necessarily having access to a community of people I knew and so that was That was challenging in many ways and just not being integrated and not feeling that I have resources, mental health support, physical support, survival support. And uh, that was the biggest culture shock shock for me at the time.
0: And now, 21 years later, what would you say is the biggest shock? Or is there a shock anymore?
1: (laughs) I think now I feel that there is just a lot of freedom that I do have that I didn't necessarily experience back home. I feel grateful that I can even just give this interview to you, which I don't think would have been possible in Russia, like for you to ask me questions or to ask me what I think, what my experience is, you know, because I think many things would be censored or wow, yeah, censored. So I think political freedoms being able to have the business that I'm running and, you know, write openly in my blog post or my website about my opinions or publish my books and write what I think in my books. <laughs> so I feel in many ways I have a lot of freedom or having a child and uh, being able to choose how he's brought up, how, what kind of education I give to him. And yes, so I feel that I do have lots of freedom in the way I live my life.
0: I feel like there's a lot of I guess I mean you use the word censorship so maybe I'll use that too but I feel like there's a lot of things that are just hidden from the world Mm. in in multiple countries and obviously political and social issues are a big thing but even just the way in which people talk about mental health or just females or just like leadership or business owning. I feel like they're all so differently viewed in so many different areas that it's just, mm-hmm. it's so fascinating to me, but also kind of stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> almost, almost in the sense of like mental health has been around for so long. Why,
1: mm.
0: why is there no conversation about it? You know what I mean? Like I say, <laughs> It just, I, I wouldn't expect that in this day and age that there's such a big difference in how countries talk about topics. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I mean,
1: my view on mental health is, I think, slightly different from the mainstream mental health, even though I've environment and I have education and quantitative psychology. So I, I, have, I have good understanding of where the mainstream health is coming from, but I also um, have gone the alternative route and I have gone the route of healing myself, like not giving necessarily, not, not giving my power away to the medical system, not giving my power away to, um, yeah, like different diagnosis and things like that because I found them to be extremely limiting. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think where I'm coming from is more from this perspective that given the resources and given education and given the support and given discipline, we really can over, we we can really transform our lives in unbelievable ways because this is what I've done with my life. Like I just transformed my life from very, very deep, this, like, dismal, um, depressive way of being to actually just really being grateful and joyful and enjoying my life very profoundly. Um, and I feel that I have done it with tremendous help and tremendous education, but also through discipline and practice. And I can see how, um, and, and this is, you know, one of the things that I do, whether it's through entrepreneurship and working with entrepreneurs, but also by like speaking with you or writing my or through writing my books, like I published two books. I want people to understand that they do have the power to uh, choose their thoughts, choose their habits, choose their actions on a daily basis, because We really build our life by making daily choices every single day and practicing those choices every single day. And when we do that little by little, we create change. And if we focus on what we want, if we focus on how we think, what we think and healing, healing from the inside healing. um, And I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not naive. I wasn't just born yesterday. So I know that people go through struggles and they, experience really challenging things in life and how to harvest wisdom from those challenges, how to harvest lessons and teachings so that we can Im- integrate and implement them into our lives, but without getting lost in, in those traumatic experiences. Um,
0: what are some examples of the modalities that you align with as hmm, it in, yeah. in terms of that?
1: Yeah, so there are some modalities that I actually have developed myself, um, and they have to do with mind, body, spirit work. And you know, I can just give you a few. So I work a lot with the subconscious mind and accessing, accessing our heart, accessing our soul, and then getting guidance from the inside about how to shift, how to change. This is probably the primary modality that I work with in terms of accessing ourselves accessing our true self through heart through soul and then taking and receiving guidance from the inside to start making changes in daily life this is the foundational modality that i work with and then daily practices they're easy but not easy (laughs) like meditation um, visualization dreaming physical body movement, and it doesn't have to be specific modality, but it can be dancing, it can be going for a walk, swimming, whatever it is. Like for me, those are non-negotiable. And those things, they start shifting our, what we think, how we think, how we choose, what we do, what actions we take on a daily basis.
0: Were those some of the habits that you implemented that started to change your life?
1: Yes, yes.
0: And how long did it take for you to see the change? Was it like quite a while or?
1: That's a great question.
0: Um, If you were to estimate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: a great question. You know, I mean, if if I take, (laughs) I'll estimate, like I'll take myself 15 years ago, which was like 2009 probably. And that was one of the, like 2009 and the subsequent few years were probably one of the hardest years for me. Um, I mean, before that was also not super easy, but that was when I was realizing that I had a problem. I actually realized it. I became aware of it. <laughs> and then I started making changes. I mean, I started doing it. I started understanding. It took me some time to figure out what, what is it that I need to do to start making changes. That took me a few years to understand. I think that's why maybe people who listen to this or people who get you know, get the perspective, they can shorten their journey because I had to search for it. Like it took me a number of years to search for it. But I started meditating on a regular basis since I think 2011, I would meditate every single day and I felt immediate results. Like I saw immediate results when I started meditating, but it was not easy because I was, you know, I was, it was not easy. I started meditating when I was really struggling. It's always harder to start meditating when you struggle it's always it's easier to start meditating when things are well (laughs) in your life
0: i just find meditating to be difficult in general
1: yeah yeah. i know (laughs) many
0: (laughs) many people say i mean i
1: would recommend just finding a form of meditation like maybe dancing needs to be meditation or painting needs to be meditation or um going for a walk needs to be meditation like being in nature because i find that once like it doesn't have to be just sitting on a on a cushion or sitting cross-legged i find this as an entryway to kind of soothe the nervous system and quiet down the nervous system and when that happens after a few years regular meditation can be um but again it depends there are so many modalities in meditation I find the meditation that is connecting to self-love, they're usually easier for people than just being with what is, like Zen style.
0: Okay. Um, so Maybe I'll like, have to check that one out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, self-love or self-compassion, those are just easier to see through because you are actually directing love towards yourself uh, versus like Zen, just be okay with what is. <laughs> it's harder.
0: <laughs> That's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think yes. that's I think that's where a lot of people struggle too is they don't want to sit in the what is is they want that to change yes yes but don't necessarily know the steps to maybe yes. make that change effectively or successfully yes yes I
1: understand what you mean I think that um, you don't have to sit with what is hundred percent present with it. Like, I don't think it doesn't need to be a perfect practice, but I find that when you drop into the reality and the truth of the present moment, it actually lights the fire under your butt to start making changes. Because when, you know, like when you kind of sugarcoat what is when you try to make it pretty, then you don't really understand the severity of it. And then when you do understand the severity, it kind of like, you're, you're like, yeah, I'm ready to shift out of here. <laughs> I'm ready to go.
0: <laughs> I think that's a good way of looking at it too, because I think a lot of us sugarcoat things, not even just maybe relating to mental health, but just things are sugarcoated in, it's used as an excuse. Or, like, mm. another barrier to do what it is that we're mm. hoping to do.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. Do, you, do you have any, like, words of wisdom or encouragement for anybody that may be starting out on their healing journey? Or specifically for anybody that's wanting to be an entrepreneur, male or female?
1: Sure, sure. I think, I mean, the first thing that came to mind when you asked me like just in this moment is that emotions will not kill you (laughs) because we often are scared of emotions and we kind of sugarcoat things or don't want to see the truth because within it's too painful. But what I have learned from my life, it's actually like no pain. When you're really open to pain, no pain will ever kill you. Because it's just
0: very uncomfortable. (laughs) It's just very uncomfortable, yes.
1: (laughs) But that's all. (laughs) This is all. (laughs) It's just very uncomfortable. But then the beauty of it is that it opens you and it gives you so much wisdom and inspiration to move forward. And so whether it's where where whether it's the entry point is entrepreneurship or any other pain you're dealing with, I find that pain is a teacher in many ways, and when we open to it and feel it, it moves us. It really moves us, and like it moved me in so many ways. It moved me to move out of Russia. It moved me to move in my personal relationship. It moved me to move in my job, and I find that pain is has tons of wisdom, so I think that even, you know, I'll kind of direct it for entrepreneurship. I find that some of these moments of pain, you know moments of pain they motivated me to reach out for help and realize that I don't have to do it alone. Um, I think that was like one of the biggest lessons for me recently. Recently, that I don't have to do this alone. I I want to have it easier. I want to have a mentor. I want to have uh, people who are on the same path so that it's actually actually easier for me and i think this is one of my words of wisdom is that you know it's just more fun to do it in a community <laughs> or with someone else <laughs> walking the same
0: path and you get so much more out of it when it's when there's the connection yes i agree with you totally agree with you is there anywhere that listeners and myself can continue to watch your journey and just continue to Get the wealth of knowledge and wisdom from you?
1: Sure. They can follow me on my first and last name. So it's um, Maria Sheiko, M A R I Y A S H I Y K O. Then I also um, have my website and I, I send out weekly newsletters on Tuesdays, usually. And my website is maria Love, or my Facebook uh, public page, also Maria Sheiko. So any of those social media or website avenues would work and send me an email or say like, Hey, I heard you on Jacqueline Gee's show and I'd be happy to respond.
0: Amazing. And is there anywhere that folks can maybe try to get support or services from you? Is that on your website then as well?
1: Yes. It's on my website. It's also on my Instagram. I have a few free resources. I have actually a bunch of free resources, I also have two of my books published, and then I uh, I do one-on-one coaching and healing and mentorship, planning on open doors for a group course. I'm hoping, aiming for the end of this year, 2023, so I'm hoping that by November or December I'll have a group offering as well.
0: That's amazing. Well, it sounds like you're doing incredible work, Maria, and I really wanted to thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. and. Just to alert our listeners on how things may not always be as they seem, but they mm. will always be how they're meant to be. I think that's the yes. I that's, think that's a that's the message that I got in our conversation today. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And I think it I mean, I know I needed to hear that, so I know that others will need to hear that as well.
1: <laughs> beautiful. Yeah.
0: And I wanted to thank you again just for being a guest and continuing the conversation. And I look forward to hopefully staying in touch with you.
1: Thank you, Jacqueline, very much. I really appreciate your very thoughtful questions today.
0: I tried. There's so many floating (laughs) around up there. (laughs) But now that I know where to find you, I will make sure to tag along on your journey on socials.
1: Sounds good. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you in the future as well.
0: Thank you. And to you, Maria, and to the listeners, I'm sending you lots of love and lots of light.